Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Crypto Entrepreneurs Podcast with your host, Charles. Enjoy. All right, guys, so this is episode 29 of the Crypto Entrepreneurs Podcast. Um, and today we're going to be sitting down with Jeff the Baker. He's a freelance writer and he's been covering the blockchain gaming industry pretty much since inception. Uh, so we're going to talk about past, present, and future of blockchain gaming. Uh, so without further ado, let's get into it. So before we kind of get into blockchain gaming, can you just give us a little background on yourself and tell us what you were doing before crypto um, and then a very brief intro on how you got introduced to blockchain gaming? Yeah, definitely. So um, I was pretty young when I got into crypto. I was uh, 15 and I heard that there was this internet money where you could uh, play online poker and they didn't ask you for how old you were. Uh, so that was that was how I initially found out about Bitcoin and I uh, spent some time on the forums getting involved in the community and really just started to fall in love with the tech and the big um, big direction that early on I was really interested in was gaming and how you could apply uh, Bitcoin as a virtual currency to in-game economies. And as I learned more, I learned that with more nuanced uh, cryptocurrency developments, you could actually put you know more of the gameplay itself on the blockchain and you can make crypto assets for your games and all that stuff. And I've been really uh, excited about that for the last few years. It's funny. I just had Nate bag on. He was also extremely young. I think he was 15 or 16 when he first bought Bitcoin. So um, odd coins. How old are you, by the way? 21. Okay. 21. So you're young, but you've been in for a while. That's now six years. Yeah. It, I, yeah. I think my, uh, my Bitcoin talk form account is, the sixth birthday is coming up. So that was right around when I first got into it. There we go. So yeah, you've kind of followed the blockchain gaming industry from pretty much its creation until now. So what was the first project that really got you hyped on this whole industry? I guess from the, the main project that basically invented the niche of blockchain gaming was uh, this project called Huntercoin, which was a fork of Namecoin um, that the blockchain itself perpetuated this simple MMO gaming environment and you controlled these characters and you would direct them to attack, fight, and collect Hunter Coins in-game. And I thought it was such a great idea that basically if you situated a game with the help of blockchain tech, you could create uh, scarce assets in game that have value. You don't have to play a zero sum game if you want to profit. The game world itself can actually generate value for its users alongside uh, generating value for the developers. So I was really interested in that. Um, I didn't know about it right at the start, but I, I found out about it after it had been up and running for a bit. And um, as Huntercoin grew, some of the people that were involved in it took on different projects. And I kind of watched 
the whole niche flourished from there. I spent a lot of time with game credits, uh, which is pretty much deceased at this point, but it was a leading gaming coin back in the day. And then in uh, 2017, when everything started to blow up, a whole bunch of different gaming projects popped up and I kind of did my research and have stayed up to date since then. So yeah, I was going to ask you kind of about your resume regarding blockchain gaming. You talked about Huntercoin and Namecoin and then game credits. Is there anything else on that list that you've either you know worked with or just been involved in the community um anything else that you yeah mentioned so um i was not formally involved with hunter coin but i i was a member of the community i actually did some freelance uh writing work with game credits not a whole bunch but a couple articles here and there um since they knew since i was active in the community they knew that i did writing I also spent some time in the engine coin community right at the start. Um, I gave them some pointers on their ICO model and kind of what they were doing initially because they were new to crypto. And, uh, and now I currently work with a project called Zaya. Zaya is actually from some of those same folks from Huntercoin and Namecoin. Uh, and I do freelance writing and marketing for them. Um, they're a little bit different. They've created a custom blockchain specifically for gaming with basically all the development emphasis on making a chain that is as best suited for playing games as possible. So, I mean, the reason I asked is I kind of just wanted to get a feel for your knowledge and how in-depth you've been involved with these projects and in the community. And it sounds like you've worked with a number of coins. You do writing, you do a lot of writing for them. You said you're a freelance writer. Um, and I know when we chatted before hopping on, you talked about this article that you wrote for The Block. Um, it was a 48-page article that was past, present, and future of gaming. Um, do you think you can just go into the details and tell us about you know, where we've come from to where we are now? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. With the block, I put together this comprehensive research primer. Uh, it's split up into four parts. The first part of it launched or got published this past week, and the next three parts are going live uh, this week and next week, uh, which basically the first part is an overview of the benefits of blockchain gaming, the things like you know, real ownership of your items, um, cheat-proof gameplay, um, autonomous game worlds, that kind of stuff. And um, then the next three parts are situated past, present, future. And so I mentioned Huntercoin as the first example of, or the first instance of a blockchain game. Before Huntercoin, there were um, several indie games or modded servers of existing games that incorporated Bitcoin as like an in-game currency. There was a bunch of Minecraft servers that were had varying levels of popularity um, from like 2012 to 2014. There's still a couple of stragglers, but they mostly died off. And there was um, a couple like MMO slash simple RPG games that incorporated Bitcoin that shifted away from Bitcoin simply because it's just not feasible to use Bitcoin for microtransactions 
with the cost of TX fees, and that was realized several years ago. Okay, I was going um, to ask why you think some of these may have died off. Obviously, the in-game use of Bitcoin has died off because it's just become a little bit too expensive for these micropayments. Um, yeah, exactly. So, and Sorry, go ahead. So There's still people who are... Yeah, sorry. Um, there are still people who are developing on Bitcoin in some capacity. A lot of it is people making games on Lightning Network. Um, and there's some people who are using counterparty assets, which is basically non-fungible tokens for Bitcoin as crypto assets for games. But it, overall, it doesn't make much sense from an efficiency standpoint. And another issue that a lot of these early games have had is that they were basically Bitcoin faucets where they weren't really generating Bitcoin from hosting these worlds. They were giving it out for people to play in because people in general didn't have a lot of money to go around way back in the day and they didn't necessarily want to deposit on a Minecraft server or whatever. And as Bitcoin grew, it became pretty infeasible for these uh, projects. Like uh, there was a Minecraft server called BitVegas and they shut it down, I believe in the end of 2013 because they were losing two Bitcoin a day. The time was only, you know, several hundred dollars, but in terms of Bitcoin, two Bitcoins a lot relative to the whole supply. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Any, you know, losing two a day, you think of it back then, it's a couple hundred bucks, no big deal. But we need to remember that we're thinking in terms of a very limited supply. Um, so that kind of died off in a sense. And then where did the industry go from there? Yeah, so um, in my uh, in my article with the block, I like to section off as Gen 0 to Gen 1 uh, with basically the transition being with CryptoKitties. Everything before CryptoKitties is Gen 0. And there's still some games left I didn't mention, but Spells of Genesis uh, is still a pretty or somewhat popular game. It's like a RPG trading card bubble shooter matchup, mashup, excuse me. Um, but for the most part, a lot of the games you have now are part of this generation one uh, that started with Crypto Kitties, which, as we all know, is a very simple crypto collectible game. Uh, some people argue it doesn't even consist of being a game, but that was the first one. And from there, uh, a bunch of people started developing games on Ethereum, I think in large part because they saw how highly people were valuing these virtual cats. Uh, there was headlines that the first generation of crypto kitties were selling for five, six figures and I think a lot of developers wanted to cash in on that and yeah, they, yeah, they created they saw this kind of mania. Sorry. No, no, I was just going to say they saw this kind of mania and they're like I want to get in on that and I remember seeing a bunch of little, you know, kind of offshoots of Crypto Kitties. Um never really was super interested in them so I didn't do any research into it, but I saw you know, exactly so variations of it. Yeah, so these developers made all these collectible crypto collectible games on Ethereum. Some of them are a little more complex now now a couple years later there are some games that are still very simplistic but they're actual games but 
a lot of the focus has been on selling rare items to fund the development and essentially generate profit for developers. And then for the people playing it, all those assets, those rare items they sold, it's basically a game of hot potato. How much profit can I make before this game dies out and people stop playing it? Because most of these, uh, most of these Ethereum dApps really didn't last. They, they kind of flavor the month. They shoot up and then they die out. Um, I played on for about a month. I played on this game called Ethergoo, which was a a uh, kind of like a cookie clicker on Ethereum, where you bought these units and you generated this goo. And there was some profit metrics, but pretty much the only people who made money were the ones at the very start, maxed out their production, bought the rare items, and then sold it off along the way to make their money back. The people who got in later, like I did, I was a couple weeks late, uh, pretty much spent varying amounts. I, I didn't buy any of the premium stuff, so I was just spending gas, um, but still spending a bit of money and then never really seeing it back, and then no one's playing the game, and it's dead. Yeah, I actually, uh, when you mentioned that game, it uh, kind of jogged my memory. There was one that I remember seeing. Um, it was called Ethermon, I believe. It's kind of like a Pokemon mm-hmm. trading cards kind of thing. Um, and I remember being on Biz and I like saw it very, very early on. They're like, oh yeah, there's these, you know, trading cards. Um, and for like a week, it was the hottest thing ever. Everyone was making money. And then all of a sudden it just died off and didn't hear about it ever again. And it seems like that's the case for all of these kind of, you know, crypto kitty. Yeah. You know, I think uh, actually, I did play a bit of Ethereum on myself as well. That was around the same time as crypto as Ethergoo. I kind of got in a uh, in a kick with Ethereum games. Um, I think they're actually still alive and kicking. Uh, I don't think people are making money the same way they were at the no, start, but no, definitely not. I just completely there's there's a few off my radar. Sorry, I was just gonna say I took yeah. it off my radar completely. I I didn't even know that there were still you know, anything going on with them. Oh yeah, definitely. And I think a lot of it also had to do with the same time all these games were popping up, the bear market was starting. And at the height of it, at the height of the bull market, when Crypto Kitties came out, so many people had so much money and nothing to do with it. They were kind of just throwing money in different directions. Cause up until then you were making a lot of money, putting it on random ICOs and random crowd sales and i think that translated to games at first but as the bottom kind of fell out i think the emphasis has really gone away from that and um people are still developing on ethereum they're starting to take advantage of the more nuanced technology like the plasma child chains um and they're going on to other chains as well like eos and tron which are better suited than Ethereum for simple activity like playing a game because uh, the transactions are cheaper, they offset costs, or they push the cost somewhere else. Steam is getting some traction as well. Pretty much they're realizing that it's really expensive to make gameplay transactions on Ethereum, and that's just a symptom of Ethereum's contracting protocol is not well suited for games. You know, if you want to do 
product verification, for example, something that's more robust, Ethereum's fine, but if you want something that's simple, lightweight, and quick, uh, like a gameplay is in a blockchain game or a dApp, uh, Ethereum's not the best way to do it. So they're moving on to these other chains that are better suited. They cut the cost and they push the cost somewhere else. Um, and that's where focus is starting to shift. Got it. There we go. Okay. So yeah, you've kind of given us this past to present view. Um, I know the article involves, you know, your future outlook and I want to get into that in a second, but you know, it started with just using Bitcoin as kind of an in-game currency. Um, and when that got to be in a sense too expensive, uh, this game started being developed on Ethereum. And then, you know, we saw these crypto kitties and these card games, um, kind of flavor of the month stuff and that kind of fizzled out as the price of ethereum and bitcoin and the crypto market as a whole died um and i feel what you were saying on the fact that you know people had a lot of money to throw around and they were kind of just looking for that next hot thing um that kind of died out and now we've kind of got to this point where we're actually developing real games and there's some real adoption in a sense coming and we're making leaps and bounds in the right direction. So can you talk about you know some of the stuff that you talked about in your article on where you see this industry going um, and you know where the blockchain gaming industry as a whole is headed? So we're at a, uh, a bit of an ideological crossroads of blockchain gaming right now. Uh, with Ethereum, it's been shown that in with the current infrastructure that's available, and this goes for EOS, Tron, Steam as well, uh, have a complex blockchain game that is feasible for players in a manner that is fast, cheap, and scalable. Simply because Ethereum's not made to do that. And EOS and Tron and Steam and uh, Hollow Chain and whatever else is, is making games right now, they have alleviated some of the symptoms. They've made it cheaper. They've uh, transferred costs. EOS even has free transactions. But they're still based on the same framework that at some point down the road, they'll run into that same issue again where, you know, there's a there's a ceiling as to how complex the game can be, a ceiling as to how many people can play it uh, before it just kind of breaks down. So there's some people that are saying, okay, it, the problem is that you shouldn't put gameplay on a blockchain. The best way to find value for video games in the crypto industry is to stick to just having traditional games and implementing these crypto assets where um, you know you're playing whatever game you can get these rare items they're on the blockchain you actually own them you might even you might even be able to send them to another game uh, you can sell them you might be able to make a profit people are saying that's pretty much the peak as to where it goes the other ideology is that well, the problem isn't block isn't inherently blockchain. The problem is the blockchain infrastructure we have now is not meant for gaming. 
and I fall into this camp, is basically saying if we make infrastructure specifically for gaming, not infrastructure that can do gaming a little bit better, but uh, blockchain or otherwise distributed ledger technology specifically for games, we can eliminate the current problems rather than just alleviate them. And then from there, using blockchain, uh, you actually have new benefits you don't find in traditional games. As I mentioned with HunterCoin, you can create a virtual environment that is value added for the players that generates uh, provably scarce, provably valuable resources that players can collect and profit from. And you can develop new genres of games. Decentraland is a good example. They're creating a, um, a quasi-autonomous virtual reality uh, world where people who are landowners on the Decentraland map, they can create their own scenes and they can incorporate assets and they basically have control to build this world out to be how they want it to be. Going off of HunterCoin, the genre they coin it as is human mining gameplay, where um, the players are, air quotes, mining cryptocurrency uh, assets or tokens or currencies. Um, and there's a play to earn feel rather than a pay to win feel that you get with current games. The infrastructure side of it is using the more nuanced technologies, uh, Ethereum child chains, where you can build networks that run parallel to Ethereum that are specified uh, specifically for what you want to get out of your game. Loom Network is uh, basically doing this as a service for developers where um, you pay to use their network or you pay the subscription model or whatever and they've got a whole develop, developer uh, environment to create your own uh, child chain for your game. There's also uh, developments being done on Lightning Network and with Ethereum state channels and with layer two uh, payment uh, gateways on other networks where it's still blockchain gaming, but instead of every game, every uh, gameplay input being its own separate transaction, basically sign into um, like a game channel, and then uh, your gameplay moves are communicated back and forth as lightning payments or um, you know whatever network is on. Uh, I mentioned I work with Zaya. They're actually the first. Uh, project to get this going live. They've got a uh, a battleships game that you can play in a Zaya game channel, where you send a transaction to open the channel, send a transaction to close the channel, and then everything you do in between is free in real time. So I think a lot of where we're going is uh, going to be dependent on the infrastructure that we can build up in the future. You know, before you kind of went into all that, one of my biggest questions was because I don't really follow the blockchain gaming industry too heavily, um, hardly at all, to be honest with you. 
But I was going to ask, because you say there's these two ideologies, and that second one has to do with, you know, creating a new infrastructure for these games. Um, and so I kind of wanted to just ask, you know, how far along we are in that. But you kind of touched on that with your answer there. Um, I kind of jumped the gun a bit. No, no, don't even worry about it. Just as you were speaking, you know, the thought came, you know, how far along are we? Um, and it sounds like we're starting to make some progress, um, but we're not quite there yet. Um, you know, another thing I wanted to talk about um, was because, you know, there's all these different projects that are now trying to push the industry forward. Um, and you've talked about some of the ones that you're working with and what they're doing right. Um, you know, you're talking about different in infrastructure setups that have been working properly. Um, what, what are people doing wrong right now? Because, you know, I, I tend to focus on the positive, but I think the only way that we can move forward is to, you know, s figure out what we're doing wrong and make those changes. So do you have any examples of, you know, how the blockchain gaming industry is done wrong? Yeah, well, so I, I've told you where my uh, sentiments lie in the uh, different ideological camps. Yeah, so you fall into the and second one. There's some people in the first camp. Now, if you analyze gaming and you decide that the most valuable thing you can do is incorporate crypto assets to existing games, and that's the peak value, then that's great and work on that. But there's some people who say we have to do it this way because the other way fundamentally cannot work. And they're looking at the current infrastructure we have versus what can be built to say that blockchain gaming is a myth or that blockchain gaming can't work. Hunter coin is an example that it can work. And unfortunately, there's not many like it yet, but that was done in two it went live in 2014 before any of this was big and they generated over a million dollars profit for their players uh that they could cash out they hunter coin was traded on poloniex back when it was a uh, like the go-to exchange they traded it for bitcoin they cashed it out for dollars that's real profit so it definitely works and pitfall i think that people run into with these crypto assets is well, the whole idea of, of using crypto assets is that you're giving ownership back to the players. Well, a lot of these dApps that are using their own assets, there are a lot of these projects that are focused on making uh, crypto assets. The developers still control what those assets do and what they can be used in and what they can't be used in. It's the exact same thing as in World of Warcraft if they decide you know a certain item is too strong they nerf it you can still do that with crypto assets and that undoes a lot of the intrinsic value the biggest offender of this i think is engine coin um not only are people with engine coin assets dependent on the developer they're also dependent on engine coin itself you can't make an engine coin item without interacting with engine coin and Let's say Engine Coin skyrockets. Everyone liquidates their items. The games are now broken. Let's say Engine Coin crashes. Uh, the items are now worthless. The game economy is ruined. Um, there was a, uh, just recently, there was this update push to Team Fortress 2. Uh, there was a glitch where 
if you had these certain crates, you would open them and you would get the rarest item every single time, the rarest tier of item. These items were worth hundreds of dollars. And overnight, Valve, the developers behind Team Fortress, crashed the entire uh, the entire item economy or the entire hat economy by basically flooding the market with the rarest items possible. Crypto assets that are uh, developed under this format or this kind of philosophy are subject to the same concerns or the same, you know, potential failures. I think that's uh, our focusing resources in the wrong capacity. So, I mean, one of the big things that, you know, came to mind when you mentioned this first kind of camp that you were talking about um, implementing the crypto assets was that, you know, they're kind of so far along um, developing on, you know, Ethereum, Tron, EOS, etc., um, that they're kind of just, you know, there's no turning back at that point, and they're kind of just continuing to push forward with kind of a broken system. Um, you know, you mentioned Engine. I don't really know too much about Engine, um, so I can't really speak on it, you know, in depth. But it sounds like if this industry is going to be going anywhere, we need to scale back a little bit, you know, get our core and foundation set and build from there, which it sounds like the people in this kind of camp two are doing. Um, so that kind of, you know, gets your thoughts out on where this industry is headed. Um, it still sounds like it's in its infancy in my mind. Um, Absolutely. But I think, you know, a lot of people in crypto are kind of looking for that next big thing. We're very forward thinking people. Um, so for anyone who's listening who wants to get involved with this industry and kind of see where it's going to take them, uh, do you have any tips for how they can do that? Yeah, I mean, research is your best friend. I know that's uh, the mantra of the crypto space, D-Y-O-R. Um, it's the, the interesting thing now is that we're getting more enterprises involved and that's probably the easiest way to get started uh, if you're a sports fan major league baseball has a, a collectible game the national basketball association nba and have to say it out <laughs> the nba is starting their own game um, different larger development studios are starting to build blockchain games ubisoft is getting into it um with Zaya, there is a franchise in Europe called Soccer Manager um, that they're making their next game as a blockchain game. And um, uh, Cocos, which is an open source development platform, they are building out their own blockchain network for game development um, that has more enterprise focus on it. Uh, so I guess see what the big companies are doing and then from there start to dig deeper into the tech, understand how it works, understand why it's valuable, and then uh, find the projects that you think are doing it best and help them out. Get involved in the community, play their games. You, I would, That's kind of what I was looking for was just, you know, a couple examples of, you know, projects or companies or groups of people that are kind of big in the space already. You mentioned a bunch. Um, Zaya was the one that you're working with. 
um, I believe you said Coco's, and then these huge enterprises like the NBA and the MLB are also getting involved. So I think if you're forward-looking enough, you can see that there is there's some room to run in this industry, um, and it's all about just getting involved. Um, so one last thing, um, you know, can you just give us, I guess, your biggest overarching tip for not only the people who are interested in getting involved, but the people who are working on this stuff already, um, you know, how can they help push the adoption of this? Focus on fun. That's the biggest criticism is that blockchain games aren't fun. Support the games that are fun first, because those are the ones that can penetrate the traditional gaming industry. Get into blockchain gaming, get involved with something that's fun to play. Yeah, yeah. I feel like a lot of them are, you know, a little slow and clunky. Um, and I couldn't see myself down, sitting down and playing them. So the idea that, you know, we can all collectively push a couple of the greatest um, into kind of the mainstream light is something that I think we should all strive to do. So I really appreciate that. Again, you gave us, you know, where the industry started, how far it's come and where you see it heading. Um, and then you also gave us some tips on how to get involved, which I really appreciate. So again, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, was there anything else that you think you missed that you want the listeners to know? Um, well, first of all, thanks for having me. Of course. Um, I think we covered just about all of it. Uh, I guess for the viewers, if they have any questions, um, they can reach out to me on Twitter. I'm super active. Am I allowed to show my handle? Of course. I'm actually going to have all of that in the description. So if you want to send me that, I can get it put in there. Um, oh. And show it now if you want. It's at Jeff the Baker, I believe. Is that correct on Twitter? At, at Jeff the Dunker. The Baker dunker. was taken. Okay. But yeah, I'm super active on Twitter. If you have any questions, you can reach out to me directly. I'll be happy to uh, chat blockchain gaming. Right on. Any other channels or social media, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, any of that, Discord, that kind of stuff? Um, no, I'm, I'm just Twitter right now. I need to expand. I'm on like Telegram and Discord as well, but not really a uh, like a public facing thing. Yeah, there that makes you go. sense. Just much easier to reach out on. Uh, I, need to, I need to. I need to. I think everyone needs to get better because there's. There's a lot of value in social media, especially in the crypto space. But for now, I'm only really on Twitter. Okay, perfect. Yeah, we'll have that Twitter in the handle or in the show notes uh, for anyone who wants to reach out. Again, I really appreciate you sitting down and talking to us today. All right, guys, that wraps up another episode. And I just want to take a quick second to ask you a huge favor. If you found anything in the episode helpful or it's been inspiring to you in any way, I just ask that you share it with your friends, family, anyone you know on social media. Um, and hopefully we can help them out as well. Have a good one.